Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the evening service. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. A guy called Richard Waverley was a 37-year-old history teacher. One day, he was driving to work. He was tired. Uh, It was a late night, and he was hungry from skipping breakfast. He was also in a bad mood, uh, following a row that he'd had with his wife, uh, who he suspected of having an affair. He got to a busy junction, and he lost control, drove into a telegraph pole, and was thrown through the windscreen. The paramedics sadly said he was dead before he hit the pavement. That is not a true story. However... The context in which it was told reveals some extraordinarily things which are true. It was made up by a psychologist called Jesse Baring, and he told this story to some volunteers for research purposes. And he discovered something you probably can't make up. After sharing this story, he asked his volunteers questions like this. Do you think Richard knows he is dead? Or, do you think he wishes he had told his wife he loved her before he died? Now look, I realize in some ways this is a traumatic kind of situation. Just try and keep it hypothetical for a moment. What do you think those people said? Large numbers of volunteers said yes. Now, for many people that was, they professed a belief in the afterlife. It was hardly surprising that they thought... Uh, that he, he had some kind of regrets. But here's the really crazy thing. Even the people who totally rejected the idea of life after death, they said, yes, we think Richard knows he is dead, and we think he wishes he had told his wife he loved her before he died. It's just one example of how utterly confused our culture is and doesn't know what to think about what we might call that which is beyond. It reflects a a similar confusing picture um, that came out of a a study, 2015, by the Institute for Social and Economic Research. They took 9,000 adults in their 40s, and a quarter of those who said they were agnostic, so weren't sure what they believe, no idea, really, uncertain, said they also believe in life after death. So, don't know about God, but yeah, there's definitely life after death. It's another one of those things where our modern Western materialism, which is this idea that you know, matter is everything, sits alongside some very, very different and quite contradictory ideas, but all in the same minds. Now, what is going on there? Well, before we answer that, let me just take you through one more thing. I wonder whether you're familiar with the phenomenon of near-death experiences. This is where people have been pronounced 
dead or something similar, and they seem to revive afterwards. And then they tell, with immense confidence, stories about what they have seen, the visions that they've had. Now, if you start looking into this, you'll see that there's a huge load of literature out there. 90 Minutes in Heaven was a book written in 2004. It's about a Christian pastor who, who ascended to God, after, he says, after, after a car wreck. Or Heaven is for Real, you might have heard of that. Uh, it's about a child who, who sees heaven during surgery, and they, they made a film about it. Or Proof of Heaven, uh, which is a book by a, a university-trained uh, neurosurgeon. Um, he, he, he claimed to travel to heaven in, in 2012. And here's the thing. All those books have been bestsellers. The, the neurosurgeon who wrote that, uh, Eben Alexander, he said his experience had convinced him that the soul or the self exists somehow separate from and outside of the mind. Now, whatever you make of his perspective, and if you've only read any of this stuff before, you'll recognize that the stories don't tally up. They can't all be true. This much we can say. We live in a deeply rationalist world. People are still, however, absolutely captivated, absolutely mesmerized, longing to know about a world beyond. People say, basically, they only believe in stuff. But at the same time, they absolutely long for more. Now, why is that? Well, I want to suggest that that's because we're made that way. It's a symptom of our human condition. Perhaps you know this wonderful verse from Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. Ecclesiastes says this, God made everything beautiful in its time. And he has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. God has set eternity in the human heart. Somewhere in every single person, there is the seed of eternity. There is always in us some kind of hint in our intuitions, in our longings, in our, in our fears that we were made for something more, something beyond. And even when we're absolutely convinced that that thing doesn't exist, in surprising moments, that reality bubbles up. And this evening, I want to share how I believe Jesus makes sense of that longing for what is beyond and how, how he's good news for that longing. And it's there in, in a nutshell in verse 6. Um, thank you, Lincoln, so much for reading it. Verse 6 of John chapter 14. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I'm, I'm praying as we're going to think about this uh, together that we would have a sense this evening of being drawn deeper into the gospel, have a deeper sense that the Lord is the one we need. He is the answer to this deep longing. And also, actually, that we'd have new confidence, confidence from what we know about the Lord Jesus to, conf- to connect the confusion and the fears of our friends, of our family, of our world with the good news of Jesus and perhaps have the boldness to speak into it. So what do we see? Well, I guess as we're thinking about this way beyond, what is there beyond life? There are kind of three big questions. Number one, is there anything? Is there a world beyond? Is there something beyond? Number two, what's it like if it is, does exist? You know, is, is, it, is it a good thing? Do I want to go there? 
And then thirdly, okay, if it does exist and if it is good, um, how do I get there? How do I access this world beyond? And the passage we've just had read, I think, speaks powerfully to those three questions. And the first thing it says is that we need the God who is made known in Jesus. The God who is revealed in Jesus. We need the God who is revealed in Jesus. The thing that so draws people into those near-death experiences that I mentioned earlier, of course, is this amazing promise, tantalizing promise, that someone might have gone a little further than we could go, but has then come back. So they've seen something we could never see, and now they're going to tell us. Now, depending on which particular account uh, you read, you know, people say something some surprising things, you know, they say, oh yes, I've gone up to the gates of heaven, or I saw a blinding light, I experienced great goodness, whatever it is. Just leaving aside any of the particular accounts, you get, you get the logic, right? We're all standing here, and we're like, I don't know, is there anything out there? I don't know, I can't see from here. But if someone could go behind the curtain and then come back, wow, then I would know. And this is where the Lord Jesus answers our deepest needs. Because Jesus is the one who has gone beyond our earthly existence. And so he can reveal God in our earthly existence. Hear what Jesus says, verse verse 1 of chapter 14. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Let me see what he's saying there. He's saying, look. You know that anxiety that you feel? You don't know what's beyond. Well, believing in me is the way out. Because believing in me, Jesus, is believing in God. It's having a relationship with the one who is beyond. And he actually takes it further, further down in that passage, verse 7. He says, if you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. You see what he's saying there? God, the Father, the invisible, the, the eternal, this apparently unfathomable divine being. Well, you can know him. You, you can see him. That is, you, you can fully understand him as far as you need to. You can grasp who he is. You can hear from him by knowing Jesus. I wonder what you think to that. I wonder what you think your friends and family would think to that. Of course... Not everyone is convinced by that, which is fair enough. You know, just because a Middle Eastern carpenter says that's the case, it doesn't immediately make it automatically true, does it? And actually, these first disciples in the past, they had their doubts too. So there's Philip. He's been listening to all of this. And he says, uh, Lord, um, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Jesus says, you see me, you'll see the Father. He says, actually, uh, could you just show us the Father, and then, then, then we'd be okay? So Philip is kind of half hearing Jesus, but deep down he's kind of looking over Jesus' shoulder. Like, yeah, whatever you said, but I actually, I would really, I, to believe, I really need to see God, okay? If I could see God, then it would all be okay. Have you ever, you ever thought that? It would be great. I'd believe, if I could see God, then definitely I'd believe. I don't have so many conversations with my friends. If he showed himself to me, I would believe. Well, that happened right in front of Jesus. Jesus responded, verse 9, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? 
Don't you believe I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who's doing his work. Believe in me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least, believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. So, do you want to see God? Jesus says to us, to the world. He says, look at me. And not just because of what I say, but actually on the evidence. Look at the extraordinary things that I have done. Who else could do this? Those works, of course, they culminate in the resurrection. Philip hadn't seen that. We get to see that. We've got a bit more to go on than Philip. Here is the God who is made known in Jesus. There is a, an ancient allegory. Uh, one of you know it. It's the story of the cave. Okay? It's a symbolic story. There's this cave inhabited by prisoners. And they've been there since childhood. And they're looking at the back of the cave onto this wall. Uh, they've never seen anything else. And their heads are fixed, so they, they, they can't turn them. They can only look forward. It's a pretty miserable place to be. And behind, behind, so they're looking that way. Behind them, unbeknownst to them, are some puppeteers. And they're casting shadows onto this wall in front of the prisoners. Shadows of people and animals and, and so forth. It's the only thing the prisoners can see. It's all they know to be real. And one day, one of these prisoners is released. And so he gets up, and he turns around, and he sees the puppeteers. And he walks out past the puppeteers, out towards the daylight. And as he walks out into the sunlight, it's just it's so bright and so overwhelmingly beautiful that at first all he wants to do is just run back into the cave. But after a while, his eyes kind of get used to it, and he begins to grasp this much greater reality. And it's just incredible. And so in time, he returns and he enters the cave again to try to explain to the other prisoners all about this world that they cannot see. And they just can't imagine it. Now, without Jesus, we are those blinkered prisoners. We're we're sitting there, just looking at the back wall. We understand so little. And all we do see is often it's just a shadow of the reality. And this idea of someone walking out of our cave and coming back to tell us, we could really do with that, right? And that is what Jesus does. So in his birth, in in his resurrection, this real historical figure, unique figure, Jesus of Nazareth, is God come down into the cave, if you like, so that someone who has seen what it's like outside can really explain to those who are inside what is true. There is a God made known in Jesus. And that is so important for us in our culture, because how could we know about this way beyond? We need revelation. The God who's revealed in Jesus. Secondly, there is a future home with Jesus. I'm going to go back to the beginning. Do not let your hearts be troubled, says Jesus. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I'll take you to be with me, that you may be where I am. I wonder what you, um, you imagine heaven is going to be like. People have some interesting ideas, don't they? Um, perhaps you've, you know, you've heard 
some of those those quips about the you know the, the golf lover who you know one day might spend kind of endless days on perfectly manicured fairways and perfect greens or something like that. Now, uh, people say this kind of stuff in a sort of endearing way, but have you ever stepped back and thought about that? What would it be like if heaven was like the place where the car fanatic just had more cars than you could possibly imagine? Or what would it be like? It becomes a bit of a troubling concept, doesn't it? Because let's say Jeff here, who absolutely loved golf, is looking for the everlasting golf course. Well, there's going to be quite a lot of paradise dwellers who fancy not really being on the golf course, aren't they? So how does that work out? Does Jeff get his own zone where he has the golf course? And does the car fanatic get their own zone where just the cars are? That's actually, frankly, a really, really troubling version of the future, right? All these different individuals in their little kind of zones where fortunately they're protected from each other's choices. The picture of the new heavens and the new earth in the, in the scriptures is not like that. How does Jesus describe it? He says, it's my father's house. The life beyond, Jesus says, it's like being in the safety and care of a father. And then he develops this idea. He says, my father's house has many rooms. So he's saying, look, where, where are I going? There's plenty of space. And that's, that's really important, isn't it? Because sometimes we feel, well, I, will there be space for me? Yeah, plenty of space. One with your name on it. One with my name on it. One with the name of anyone who trusts in Christ. And thirdly, and most importantly, he says it's a place of relationship. He says, we'll be with Jesus and we'll be with the Father so that you may be where I am. So it's a community. We might say a home. Home is what we need, isn't it? We live in a world full of people who, are, who feel deeply alienated disconnected from others and, and from their environment. The band Simple Plan wrote, wrote a song back in 2013. I had not come across this, this until this week, but it's just brilliant. It's called Astronaut, and the idea is that even here on this earth, we're kind of, it's as if we're all astronauts, just sort of floating around. It goes like this. Can anybody hear me, or am I talking to myself? My mind is running empty in the search for someone else. Who doesn't look right through me? It's all just static in my head. I'm deafened by the silence. Is it something that I've done? I know there are millions. I can't be the only one who's so disconnected. It's so different, disconnected in my head. Can anybody tell me why I'm lonely like a satellite? Because tonight I'm feeling like an astronaut sending SOS from this tiny box. And I lost all signal when I lifted off. And now I'm stuck out here and the world forgot. Can I please come down? Because I'm tired of drifting round and round. Can I please come down? That's what humanity asks, isn't it? Can I please come down? And Jesus says, yes, you can. You can come home. You can come home to be with me and the Father in eternity. So, just recapping. First question. Is there something beyond? Jesus is clear. Yes, there is. And he wants to take us there. Second question, just important. Needs answering positively. Is there something beyond? Is, Is it any good? Do I actually want to go there? Yeah, that as well, because it's home. It's home with Jesus. So God made known in Jesus, a future home with Jesus, and then finally, a way prepared by Jesus. Third question, there is a place beyond, how do I get there? And Jesus says, well, he is the way. He says 
to his disciples, verse 4, after he's talked about this place that he's preparing for them. He says, you know the place where I'm going. But, but then they're not quite sure. So Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Uh, and, and how can we know the way? And I guess at this stage, Jesus, you know, he's still in that kind of like, oh, it's down here and then you turn left or you go up that hill or whatever. And Jesus says something really surprising. He doesn't give them a route. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. So this wonderful life, unfettered access to God beyond, it's not automatically ours, but we need a way to get there. And why is that? Well, because we're sinners. We specialize in crowning ourselves the God of our own lives. And so there's an issue with us just spending eternity with God. We're actually unworthy of God. If we deserve anything, it's not that life beyond with the Lord. It's, it's the Lord's judgment. It's the Lord's rejection, not his home. And that is why Jesus came. That's why he had to die. He died on the cross. He bore the guilt of our sin. He stood in our place. He suffered the rejection that we deserve. And now, as a result, because that rejection is spent, it's all dealt with. So if you're, if you're trusting in Christ, despite the way that you've acted towards God, despite the way that I've acted towards God, despite the way that we will act towards God even, it is possible to be his friend. It's possible to have hope to be with him in his home because of Jesus' death. And that's why Jesus says those extraordinary words, no one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. Of course, that is a huge claim, isn't it? We might want to say, well, there must be another way. Can't I just try really hard or just work it? You know, there must be, is there back? No, there's no back door. Because we're all sinners. We need God to save us. And in Christ, he does. So the cross is the way prepared by Jesus. So in summary, we've been thinking about way beyond. We've been asking, is there anything beyond? Do I want to go there? And if I do, how do I get there? And we've seen an answer. Yes, there is. We know that because God has revealed himself through Jesus. And yes, it is worth going there because it's home. It's a home with Jesus. And finally, there is a way to it, prepared by Jesus, the way. We're just going to take a moment to just absorb some of that. I'm going to ask the band to come up and join me. And uh, after a little moment's quiet, we're just going to think a little bit further through how we might respond to those different things. So perhaps um, this evening you're still very uncertain. And let me say you're really, really welcome here. If you're, you know, if you're still weighing all this up and it's, you're thinking, oh, that is just way out what you've just said, that's fine. Perhaps I could say to you, you know, I believe and the scriptures declare that God is a revealing God. He loves to make himself known. And so I want you to, to encourage you this evening to just muster whatever faith you have, even if it feels like it's not very much, and ask God, look, if you're there, God, and I don't even know if you are, make yourself known to me. I want to know the truth. 
And if it's to be found in Jesus, make that clear to me. Perhaps for you, the challenge is not so much in your mind, but it's, it's in your heart. So when I speak about that future beyond, you, you sit there thinking, um, okay, fine, yeah, I know this stuff. I've been coming to church for quite a long time. And what's going on there perhaps is that, frankly, you're not really that excited about the idea of eternity with, with Jesus. Perhaps even you caught yourself dreaming about the fairway and the green rather than eternity with Jesus or whatever the equivalent is for you. And I know there are moments like that for me. Well, if that's you, perhaps tonight is just a, a time for you to just focus again on the joy that Jesus has prepared for you, the home that home that is going to be home in a way that nothing on this world could be. And then finally, perhaps today is a day for seeing Jesus as the way. You know, perhaps you've, you've been struggling. You're like, yeah, I, 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 want, I want to be there. But, but I, I just can't get my head around how I could ever be there in the presence of God in eternity. Perhaps today is a day for you to just know Jesus is the way. And in many ways, that's all you need to know. You didn't need to understand all the ins and outs, but Jesus is the way, the only way to the Father for every single one of us. Lord, we thank you that you, Lord, are the way, the truth, and the life. For those this evening who are struggling to find the truth, Lord, please reveal yourself to each one of us. We know that you delight to make yourself clear. So please open our eyes to what you are saying to us. And Lord, as we struggle sometimes to to believe that the life that you have for us is really the good life, that the eternal life that you've planned for us is just the most wonderful blessing, the most wonderful future in your presence. Lord, please convince us this evening that life with you is the best thing that there could ever be. And Lord, as we struggle too sometimes to see how could we get there though? How could little me with all my failings get there? Lord, teach us that you are the way Lord, if there's someone here this evening who needs to know that in a new way, Lord, please make yourself known. But to each of us, Lord, help us to believe and understand in a new way today how you are the way. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.